right, so I spoke about this, uh, the message that I'm going to speak about today, uh, just a little bit um, when I came up one day, and it's about the, the desperate heart, and I think it goes great, you know, with um, with everybody was talking about today, the, the thirst and the hunger, but it's also about the want, the need, you know, the proclamation and the declaration, and I don't, I don't know why God put this on my heart, but it, it reminded me, it's like, you know, all these things reminded me that it's I need to have a desperate heart to seek after him. I need to have a desperate heart that hungers, thirsts for him, you know, that wants him, but needs him, that I can proclaim his name and I can declare the things that he has. So jumping right in, I'm going to start with the thirst. Uh, and I'll be reading from Psalms 63, 1 through 11. I'll give you a minute if you want to look that up to follow along. It's uh, Psalm 63, and it's verse 1 through 11. And it says, A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I love this, this psalm because it, it, it just shows how much like how desperate David needed or desperately he needed God. And it showed, like, especially in his circumstances that he was going through, a lot of the times he could probably get discouraged. A lot of the times he could, he could probably, or he probably, you know, came to a point where he says, like, you know, I'm completely empty. You know, I'm so dry. But, Lord, I, I still need you even in these moments. That I can't get out of these moments unless it's, it's, it's for your love. I can't make it through these times unless it, you fill me with your water. And I look at the water as like his love, something that he needed to be overflowing with, especially uh, the people that were, you know, seeking after him. He needed to love those people. And he couldn't, he, I, I bet he couldn't draw from his own, you know, his own cisterns. You know, for myself, I try to, you know, pull from my own well. Um, and 100% of the time, I come up, you know, dry. No many t as many times as I dip the bucket down into my own well, I don't have enough in me to want to love other people. So I have to tap into who God is and allow his love and his water to pour into me to allow me to love other people. Water is often used as a symbol, uh, as a symbol of the Spirit of God. On a physical level, our lives depend on water, and we are surrounded and formed by water. On a spiritual level, our lives depend on God. Images of water as a symbol of renewal and a reminder of thirst, both physical and spiritual, are plentiful throughout the Bible. I don't know if you've ever been thirsty. You probably have once or twice in your life. I know I have because I, like, I, don't, I don't like to drink enough water sometimes, and especially if I'm at work and I don't drink enough water. My mouth will start to get dry. I, get, I start to get inc uh, incredibly uncomfortable start to get tired, start to get worn out. 
And I'm just like, man, I, I just want this day to be done so I can go home and take a nap. When really, if I would drink some water, I'd be okay. But it's so hard to do that, right? And then the same thing with like when we become thirsty uh, for the Lord. It's like, it's like man, where, how am I going to fulfill this need in my life? How am I going to fulfill uh, this spiritual want? And it's like, we know, it's like, oh, if I, if I tap into God, it's the same thing. It's like our stubbornness when we're drinking water. It's like, oh, I'm going to try to do this a whole nother way. And then for myself, I, that's me. It's like, oh, I, I know I need to tap into the Lord, but, you know, I'm going to try it my way first. And I'm still thirsty in the end. Even though I take a nap, I wake up even thirstier with a dry mouth. And then, I, then I'm like, okay, I need to do something about this. And it's the same thing with when I go through the spiritual desert. When I start to become spiritually thirsty for, for the Lord, for Jesus, it's like I got to stop and I got to take him in, even through prayer. And there's times where I can't do it on my own. There's times where I get tired and I can't lift up that, that water jug, you know. There's times where I need people around me to pray for me, to bring the Spirit towards me. Even though he hasn't, even though he hasn't left me, sometimes I feel like I, 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 I'm not in the midst of it. But that's what like strong people come around me. There's people that come around you as well and pray for you. You know, bring the spirit, bring bring them so you could be filled. In the book of Genesis, we read that a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And this is in Genesis one and verse two. The Psalms compare the desire uh, humans have for God to the way a deeper longs for flowing streams. That's Psalm 42.1. Jesus too expressed his thirst as he was dying on the cross. When Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria, he told her, the water that I will give will become a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Jesus first addressed the woman in terms of her physical thirst for the water in the well, but then changed the subject to her spiritual thirst. He knew the importance of her getting water to fulfill her thirst uh, on a physical level. He knew, the, he knew the need for that, but he knew her need for, spiritual, uh, for her spiritual thirst to be filled. She thought she wasn't worthy of the water. She felt as if she probably couldn't, uh, if she drank it, that nothing would change. But she had faith and trust in the Lord that it was going to, that that water was real. And then when she took a sip of it and understood it, then that's when her whole life changed, that she wanted to go and take that spiritual water and share it amongst the people that she went and spoke to because she couldn't keep it to herself. It's like, how can you keep that spiritual water to yourself when you taste it and it's so good? Let's think about the most expensive bottle of water you had. A lot of times it's Fiji, and you know how good that water is. But think about his water. His living water is so much better than the best bottle of Fiji or... Uh, whatever other fancy waters are out there. San Pellegrino or Perrier or whatever. But his water is so much better. It's so much more refreshing. It's so much more um, overflowing, too. You can drink as much water, and you can be overflowing, but in a whole different way. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) But this overflowing benefits people. It benefits them because they see the Lord working in your life. You see the spirit moving in your life. And it's not because of your strength. It's not because your water is stirred up, stirred up but because of the water that he placed in you that's stirred up. Turn on the faucet can remind us of our own spiritual thirst. What our souls long for would bring us refreshment. God calls to acknowledge the thirst 
and to relive it by drawing from the well of prayer. Prayer is so important when it comes to fulfilling your thirst because I can't get to God if I'm just, if I'm just sitting there. If I'm just like hoping like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and wait on God, you know, you know, not knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm not sharing my needs with him, I'm not sharing my heart with him, I'm not sharing the things that I'm going through and like why that I feel, why I feel dry. Like, how can he give me that water if I don't ask? Another scripture says, you know, you have not or you have not because you ask not. And it's like, Lord, I need you to fulfill my thirst. I need you to fulfill this longing for you. My soul thirsts after you, and I need to be filled. How many times have you prayed that? Especially in your, like the darkest times. There's times where I know, like I, when I go through hardships, and it's like even like when I feel aggravated towards people, it's like, Lord, I need to be filled by you. And like I need to, I need to know your goodness more than my own right now because it's failing me. Our spiritual thirst might speak to our personal worries or to the places in the world where people need renewal, hope, and relief from suffering. The, sim uh, the simple step of connection or connecting the waters of the world to the waters of our souls can itself help to, or itself help to transform the world. And it's like it comes through those like those cisterns and those uh, tributaries and like thinking about like waterways. It's like we like when we connect to the spirit of God where the living water comes from, then we become that cistern. We become those creeks. We become those rivers that that you know send out the water to those who need it. And it's like when we connect more, we become a bigger body of water. But our water is not is it isn't uh, non-potable. It is completely drinkable. And like when we send it out, it's not just for the people in the body of Christ. It's for the people that need it in the world. It's the people that don't know who Christ is and are longing and thirsty and are walking through that desert that can't find a way out of it. It's like, but we bring that water to him. As Jesus sat down with the woman from Samaria, he knew the longing that she needed, but he brought it to her. She was there to get water, but he said, I'm bringing you something better. And that's what we're to do. We're to bring the people that need it most of water that they thirst after. It's not this physical water. No, it's that spiritual water. And that's the water that's going to change their life. That's that living water that will bring them back from the dead, from bringing from that dead and dry place. That water that speaks into dry bones and brings it to life. Whew. I don't know if that, that, that gets me like amped up right there. <laughs> that's enough to get me to run out the door right now and just go preach the word. That's that evangelistic spirit, though. <laughs> All right, where was I? The women at the well learned from Jesus in the material things such as water cannot give us lasting peace at best. It can give us only temporary satisfaction. By contrast, faith in Jesus Christ and imitation of his example can be the source of lasting vitality for us and for those whose lives we touch. F.F. Bruce says, the long, our soul's deepest thirst is for God himself, who has made us so that we can never be satisfied without him. The truth in those words, like we never can be satisfied without him. And there's like, in this recent season I've been through where I thought I could handle all my, my struggles, my trauma and stuff by myself, I was so thirsty through that whole thing and there was nothing that was satisfying. There was nothing that was filling me up. 
I could not be satisfied no matter what I did. No matter the anger that I held, even though I felt, even in my, my mind, because I'm, I was so used to it, it's like the anger didn't, didn't bring that, that, that quenching uh, satisfaction that I need. The, the, the stuff of the world didn't bring that. It's like when I had that encounter with Jesus, my encounter at the well with him, and he, he fulfilled that thirst. And he said, I'm going to take away that dryness that you have been living out. I have something here that's going to change you. He's like, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring you back to a place to where you know that I am enough and that you will, I'm going to remind you that you can't live without this water. It's like, because I, I couldn't. I felt like I was dead. And then I took a sip of that, and that life came back. And it's like, it, it's like that feeling where you feel it from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, and you're just overflowing. It's like crazy because it's just one sip is all you need. You just need it to touch your lips. And it's like instantaneous all over. And it's crazy. But it's, it's so, so good. The next thing I'm going to go to is the hunger. In John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall, not, uh, shall never thirst. The word hunger by definition means having a strong desire, craving, displaying the need for food. In reality, however, hunger is not just for food, but humans also crave physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual nourishment. We humans are needy beings. In addition to food and water, we need many more things to live. Well, uh, like money, job, people say sports, love, wisdom, knowledge, security, approval, achievement, fulfillment, etc. God's first blessing and command to mankind was recorded in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Humans are essentially created with sexual needs, intimacy, procreation, deeper than our body and soul needs in this yearning for a personal, profound relationship that is at its core our spiritual needs. In physical hunger, we feel discomfort or weakness caused by a lack of food, coupled with a desire to eat. In spiritual hunger, likewise, we crave food for the spirit without which we cannot survive. It is true what Jesus said, man shall not live on by bread alone but by every word of God. The one thing that I see that separates, you know, I guess the thirst from the hunger is the hunger to long after the knowledge of God more. And it's like when I, when I start to, especially as a new, when I was a new Christian, like I was so hungry to, to learn more and more and like read continuously stuff through the Bible that, and like I would pray into it. Now I, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I kind of lack in it. But I want to, I want to get back because my hunger is growing to want to know and learn more about him. It's, it's through his physical word. It's through his word that he speaks continuously to me. You know, when I had that connection to him, when I when I'm seeking after and 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 trying to fulfill that thirst, he also fulfills that hunger because he's teaching me things. He's showing me who he is. He's showing me more of uh, of the characteristics that I long to know of my father. It's like when my father shows me that he's a caring, loving God, it's like that, that's a download. That's like, that's a, not a piece of bread. It's like some delicious food, like, like barbecue spare ribs or something, you know, and I'm just like nibbling on it. I'm like, man, this is some good stuff right here, God. And it's like, I'm, I'm getting, it's like, this is filling my belly up right now. It's like, I want to I have more of this. I want to have more of like what you're offering. 
and it's like it's like the more that I continue to go after after that, the more my hunger is satisfied. And it's like, but just like the thirst here as humans, I don't think we could ever find that satisfaction until we're we're actually with Him, because if He was to fulfill that. The, the thirst and the hunger now it's like we what, what more would we need from him but no he want he calls us to be thirsty and hungry so that we chase after him more and we seek after that spiritual food and that spiritual drink there's a god-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by god the creator made known through jesus God is spirit, and he is the only one who can satisfy the spiritual hunger of humanity. It says, now let us look further into the Bible as to why humans cannot live without God, and what it means to hunger for God, and who can satisfy our spiritual hunger, and how our spiritual needs are fulfilled by God through Jesus Christ. And that's just saying, like, we can find in there, like, the basis, it's like the basis of Christianity, and it's like what we are to follow, and it's like, in to get more understanding, of course, like I said before, is to pray and to seek and, and to tap into who God is. It's like the Word's going to teach us more of who He is. But Him Himself, like I said, is going to teach us more of who He is. Which is really awesome. It's like you're just getting, like if you love to learn things, and I do, like and I, like I see myself as a, a quick learner, and I always seek the next difficult thing. Like He will increase that. He will give you something more that you got to sit on and you got to ponder and you got to chew on. It's like, man, this is... This is good stuff. It's like, and you're only on the first bite of it. But that's when you know it's like, it's like, I seek after the the harder things, the more complex things, and I feel like that's what fills me more. And He will satisfy your needs, whatever it shall be, whether you need the simple, whether you need the the increasingly difficult. Like He will provide something that will satisfy your hunger. The next is one of my favorite. This is the want. And one of the things that always wrecks me is when I always think about God and how he doesn't need us, but he wants us. And it's like, it stops me in my tracks. It's like, man, like how does a God over everything want someone like me? And it's like, it's because he loves us and he loves you it's like he wants you guys. He wants me. And it's like, man, it's like, Lord, like that, that desire in your heart to love us so much that you will go and do anything. Give your son for us. You gave your son because you wanted us so much. You wanted us so badly. And you look at it and stuff in like the Old Testament. And there was like parts where it comes and says, and they will know that I am their God. And that broke my heart when I read that because it was just, it just makes me think of a God that wanted to do anything to have his people turn to him. And there's beauty in that. There's so much beauty in that. It's like he would go, he went, he went through everything that he could and then he gave his son because he knew this is the only thing. And I'm like, I'm so grateful and thankful for that. In 1 Chronicles 16, 10 through 11, it says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. And the one for us is like something. It's, it's, it's like a shout of victory. It's, it's so joyous. 
it's like, man, I, when my heart bursts in longing to be with God, it always brings me back to that song by Ascendant Hill. It's like, uh, whom have I? And it's like, who, am I, who have I in heaven but you, God? And it's like, I long to be near you, Father. And, like, it's like, and it's like, I can hear that cry. It's like, I always think about that picture of God, and I think it's like David, uh, the painting where they're touching. It's like, it's like right there. But it is, it's not, they're not completely touching it. And as I think that, it's like, I can reach out and I feel like I can touch God. But it's like, I can't have him physically until I, I get to, to where I'm going. And I'm like, and it's like, it hurts because it's like, I, wanna, I just want to be with the Father. I want to be with the Son. I want to be, be with the Godhead. To sit in there in front of them. Just like, to sit in, just so mystified and just like, Wow. Like, this is the beauty that I long for for so long. And it's like, it, it, it blows away any expectations that I ever have. And it's like, I can picture that. And it's like, it, it keeps me at a place to where, like, where I, I feel like it's that, it comes back to that hunger. It's where, like, I need to be filled. And that, that comes back to that thirst where I need to have that drink. Psalms 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. And that he looks for the, one, the children that want him. Not saying that he, he, he chooses favorites, but he looks for us to want after him. Because that pleases his heart. He's like, God, oh, my children love me. My children want me. Like he created us for him. So why, why don't we? want him and it breaks my heart when people say you know they don't believe in God and like and I know that his heart breaks for them because he wants them too it's not just us here sitting in this room it's the people that that are lost that don't know the father who don't know the goodness of Jesus and don't know the comfort of the Holy Spirit Psalm 45 says and I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. To me, the one thing and seeking go hand in hand. To want is to seek after God with your whole heart. While his methods weren't always no, uh, noble, Jacob wanted God. He wanted the best of what God had to offer. And he wasn't satisfied until he had the best. In his early pursuits, his heart was not yet refined for God's righteousness. Similarly, he's like Paul and like us, as described in Romans 7. Jacob uh, struggled with his own spirit, constantly trying, uh, or trying his own plans first for success, and with God for a good portion of his life until he finally surrendered. Through the surrender, he received a blessing, or the blessings he wanted all along. Jacob wanted to, uh, wanted to want God, and God loved him for his desire. God even used that desire to make Jacob into a man he could use for his kingdom. After his midnight wrestle, his new, uh, his new nature and his new name, Jacob failed many times to do what was right. But from the moment forward, he, had, he was renewed in Christ and no longer desired to obtain godliness as a uh, deceiver, but as a worshiper. I think about Jacob and I think about like, and I think about the things that he'd done. And it's like, and I now go and I, I examine myself and I examine my own heart. 
It's like, it, no matter like the mistakes that I make, no matter the things that I might, I, I might fall short in, the one for God is what he looks as, he looks down towards. He, he doesn't condemn me for the wrongs that I, that I have, but he sees the desire in my heart to want him and, and need him more. He sees the desire the one, that I want to chase after him, even when, even when I feel like I'm filthy, even when I feel like I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be in his presence. But he sees my longing to be one to be made well. And it's just like you guys. It's like he sees the longing to want him more. It's like to choose him above every, everything else. He knows that we're not going to be perfect. But it's just our heart. It's the heart that he looks at. It's the heart that he sees. And like he sees the want that we have for him. And he's like, I see, I know that you make mistakes, but I still love you. I see that you're trying, and I'm so proud of you. How, how good is it to hear that the Father is proud of you? That's like, <laughs> like I had a soda yesterday as well, and, and then God, Father God told me he was proud of me. And like that wrecked me. I was like, man, I was sitting there just like, <laughs> that was like one of the best things I could ever hear because, you know, especially if you haven't, if you never really heard that from your, like your earthly father, but you know the Father that above all, you know, tells him that you're proud of you. That supersedes anything that anybody here on earth can say. And it's like, it made me stop and say, like, man, because you're proud of me, it's like, I, I, I like, I could, I feel like I could do anything. And I, I still feel like that because it's like, man, it's like, my desire to go out and chase after him is enough for him. My desire to want him is enough for him. And it's like, that's so amazing. But it makes me want to do more for him. <laughs> I want to want God the way Jacob and Paul did. I want to be aware of the struggle between my flesh, what condemns me, and my renewed spirit, which frees me. I can imagine you say the same thing, but how about we? Or how do we accomplish this? The answer is found in the same place Jacob and Paul found it, the one who saves. It's like we turn to Jesus, like we find, we find that it's like it's so easy to want to go after the things of the flesh because it's it's here. We can feel it, it's, 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 but it's so temporal. And like, do we think about the things that are of eternity? It's like, you know, I'm not in eternity yet. But in, in a matter of fact, you are. You're in the midst of eternity. And it's like, what, it's like I, I look towards that. It's like, man, I, I, I keep following these things in the flesh, but God, I don't want to. And it's like Paul said the best, like, I do what I, it's like, I do what I don't want to do. And he says, but there's, a, and he also says, like, who's the one that, you know, there's no condemnation through Christ who saves. And I, and I think about that. It's like, okay. It's like, so there's no condemnation. But that makes me not want to do those things that I don't want to do anymore. It's like, I, I want to live with that renewed spirit. It's like, I want to continue to, to grow this spirit. I want to continue to be filled so I can, you know, want the Lord more. And it's cool because I love how he just, he gives me just a little bit at a time just so I can continue to long for more. A little bit of time to say, here, here's this, chew on this for a bit, and I bet you you're gonna come back from more. And every single time he does that, I, I come back begging like, God, I need some more, I need more, like, please, 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 I want more. And he is quick to answer my prayers. The next one is the need. It says, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Hebrews 4.16 says, 
Let us then with confidence draw near to your throne of grace, that, may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to, uh, to be moved. That last one is, has been my life first. Um, through all the struggles that I've been through, and I always thought that like there's there's nothing wrong with you know speaking to people about your problems, but until I I was real with the God and uh, the Father in heaven, then I didn't know the need to be one to be made well until uh, I knew who I learned who He was, and like my first encounter where I first where I first truly laid down my life to Him. You know, he showed me that what that need looks like. And it's like, I, I'm going to take away, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you from the, the one use of drugs and alcohol um, to fulfill needs in your life. And he did that. And it's like, I was like, Lord, now I need you because I, I was like, before I always had this stuff where I, where I fulfilled uh, and numbed all the pain in my life. But like now that I seek after you, Father, you're the only one that can heal these things. You're the only one that can help me find solace when there's a storm brewing. You're the only one that can help me pull through this pain because I tried every other thing in my life and nothing seemed to work. Like, I need you. I need to seek after you. I need you more, Lord, more than yesterday. And like we all know, like, Lord, I need you more and more than yesterday, more than the air I breathe. And that's so, that's so true. If I were to stop breathing today, I'd be okay. But if, I, if the Lord stopped loving me today, or my need for the Lord stopped today, then I wouldn't be okay. Then everything would fall apart. We need Him because without Him, we wouldn't know love, grace, peace, and mercy. Here's six things that we need. It says, you need to know how much you matter to Him. I don't care what you, your, your Heavenly Father said about you. I don't care what anybody has said about you. But you have to know how much you matter to, to the Father. Like I said, when he told me he was proud of me, that's a, it, it, that word's not just for me. That's for everybody sitting in here. He is proud of you. It doesn't matter. And like you can, the Sozo song, it says, you know, I'm not a, he said, I'm not a tree, yet only a seed. But he says, I'm so proud of you. I don't care if you're still a seed. You're still trying. You're still growing. And it's like, I see that growing. I see your longing to want me more. It's like, I'm so proud of you. You know how much you matter to me? Do you, do you know? He says, too, you need to know that he has a plan for you. We might think that when we come into Christianity, it's like, it's like oh, what's, what's my purpose? What's my, what's my calling and what's this? But he does have a plan for you. And it's so much greater than what you thought it has been before. Like, I never thought I'd be in the position that I was in. And, like, I still have, like, some doubts. But God says, you know, I have this plan for you. And it's like, my promises supersede your doubts. And my truth supersedes your doubts. And it's like, man, I, I, it's like, and I stop and think, it's like, God, you've done it once, and you'll do it again. What, what you have done for somebody else, God, you can do for me. And I'm not saying that is in a way it's like, oh, I deserve what they have. No. That means he's, like, he's faithful and just to give to his children. Number three, it says, you need his love, mercy, compassion, 
peace, uh, peace of mind and forgiveness. Do I need to say more about that? Number four, you need his protection from dangerous situations. There's times where he will, he will pull us out of situations because he knows it's dangerous for us. It's like, oh, there's times where you might be late to work in the morning or something happens. That might have happened because that, that might have been him creating a situation because you might have gotten a car accident, you know, if you would have left a few minutes before. Or if you like you, you end up leaving out the house and you see a car accident, you're like, man, that could, you know, you know, that could have been me in that. Or like you, you get into some situation and you get you get out of it unscathed. But like that's his protection for you. Even if like we call it to our, we, we do it to ourselves. And there's many times where I put myself in dumb, like I had put myself in dumb situations. But he was like, nope, I'm gonna save you from this. But he's like, he knows that I'm still a child. But he still has a lot of patience for me, which is so good. Number five, you need his healing from physical and emotional aches. God, that one is, that one hit me when I uh, like because. I didn't, I didn't have these. I found, actually found these, and I thought they were really good. But, like, when I read that, and I was like, that's, like, probably the biggest one that I, I could not trust him with was, like, the physical and emotional things. And it's, like, even recently, like, when he came to me and he showed me that I needed to trust him, and, I, like, I needed him for this thing. It's the only time that I've, like, like, my hands were going numb because of the stress from, you know, all the stuff that I was going through and the trauma and my like, I was like, that's where the anger came from. And it's like once I, once he came to me and I trusted him and I knew that I needed him, like that, my hands stopped, stopped going numb when I play instruments or like when I just do like, you know, day to day activities. I don't feel anger. Well, I have angry moments, trust me. But it's not, it's not like. It's not like I was angry every single. Like I'm angry every single moment. There's things that still bug me, but of course that's. You know, that's natural. But I don't feel angry towards everything. I don't feel anxious towards everything anymore. And, you know, that's because of him. That's because my need for him to know that he's healing. And it's a constant healing. It's completely constant and consistent through each day. And I will ask him for that. So number six, you need to know that no matter how short you fall from perfection, he loves you. That's a good one there. <laughs> That's always a good one. No matter how far you fall from perfection, he loves you. And you might be here today and think that he doesn't, or that you've done something maybe recently and, you know, you think God's, like, frowned upon you. No, he's looking on you it's still with adoration, with love, and saying, That's still my child there. That's still my child, and I still love him. He might help, he might, you know, give you a love tap on the back of the head or something, but it's okay. The fact is, I need God to help me love God. Truth. <laughs> and if I need his help to love him, a perfect being, I definitely need his help to love, uh, to love other fault-filled humans. Francis Chan said that. And that's very good, because if I didn't have God to help me love him, then I definitely wouldn't have the, the capacity to love other people. And if I didn't have his love to help me love him, then I wouldn't be able to love myself. 
that's another thing I was dealing with that too. But like, then that's like when he told me he was proud, and it's like now I see myself in a whole different light. Even when I have everything in my life, I have nothing, nothing if I don't have God. The only way to fill the hole in our hearts is through the love of the Father, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Ain't that the truth? Let's see what time is. I'm good. I got a couple more here. The proclamation. So, Matthew 28, 19 is, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Desperation to proclaim him to those who don't know him. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, desperate to be more like him. What does this mean? If we receive Christ as our Savior, then we're qualified to proclaim the gospel. Attending a special school or completing a gospel preaching program isn't a requirement to proclaim the gospel. Our qualification is that we're redeemed by Christ and regenerated with his life. Having a desperate heart to want him more is also having a desperate heart to want to proclaim him to those who don't know him more. And that's what I love more like when it comes to the evangelistic part. When I get to speak the name of Jesus to somebody that says, oh, are you, what are you, a, go to church and a Christian? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And then I get to stop and then the Holy Spirit just hits me and I start speaking this hot fire towards them. You know, and they're like, they're like, you know, and then you can see they're, it's funny because even the most hard, like the hardened heart people, you start speaking that with the zeal and the joy because you truly believe it will change their, like the whole, uh, the whole look on their face. You can see like light because you know that the light bringer is doing something. It's like, and I know that I'm just there like to plant the seed, but I know he'll come through and he'd be faithful to water it. He'd be faithful to feed that plant and make sure that it has nourishment. But it's like, it's just, being able to have some, bring some hope to somebody that needs it, to, sh like to share, like, to share the sacrifice that our Savior had, had to go through for us. And you know, there's people that are like, oh, I want to hear this. But no, it's like, you know, you see from my testimony, it's like, this is not a sham. This, is, this isn't some, like, infomercial that, oh, you got to listen to and then, you know, be gone. It's like, no, I'm giving you real life uh, real life things that had happened to how I was touched with the by the Spirit of God that lines up with His gospel, and it's like and I can speak. It's like once they break through that, and it's like that's when He does His work. The story of a sinful Samaritan woman in John four is a good example, and this comes back to the well. As soon as she got that taste of that water, what's the first thing she did? She had to go and tell. <laughs> she did not wait. She was. She went right back to the town, and I bet you she didn't even bring her water with her. She was so excited to go. She was going empty hand, <laughs> straight up, and it's like, man, that's me. It's like, it's like you, you. It'd be funny. It's like you, you prepare to pack. Like ah, I'm going out to, you know, going out to see if I can speak some Jesus to people. And it's like, you know, you get so excited and you leave everything away, like everything back, or just you know, you find someone. It's like you, everything that you want to talk about goes out the water because you know, the name of Jesus comes up. The declaration, and this is the final one. It says, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, 
uh, for his own possession, sorry, and that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we, we declare who we are. We, de- we declare that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen race, a people of his own possession. It's like when we declare that, we understand who we are for him. And it's like, that's cool because all this stuff like goes back to each other. It's like the, the declaration to the hunger. It's like I'm getting filled with the characteristics, not of like only who he is, but who I am. And because if he calls me this, then this is, this is, this is good food right here. This is good fruit. Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Really good. Philippians 4:19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ. So we declare this stuff. Self-control. A spirit not of fear. I don't want to wor- sit here and worry every day, like what things are gonna happen, like when I wake up in the morning. It's like no. It's like God, I declare a spirit of courage and boldness, of power and love and of that self-control, that I can abstain from the things that I don't want to do. To declare to, me, uh, to declare means to make something known formally, officially, and explicitly. A declaration is simply an acknowledgement of something that is. However, a declaration alone does not have the power to cause what you declare to happen. In other words, there is no creative or caustic power in a de- declaration. The power comes from the faith that you believe that he is going to act on it. And I think, like, I think about that. It's like, I can declare all I want, but if I don't have the faith that God's going to move and, and he's going he's gonna to move on what I declare, then it means nothing. It's like if my heart's not desperate in wanting him, then it means nothing. The power to unlock, uh, the, power to unlock the power of the delegation comes from the faith we have. Uh, we have that God is going to move on what his child is praying for. And it goes back to the song that says, Love is the liquor so divine. When I tasted, when my Savior tasted blood, I only tasted wine. But hopefully, that should be it. That's all I got. But hopefully, this kid's like, I, I thought it would be good because it's so easy to lose that desperation going through, a, like going through our days. You know, we have so much stuff that comes up like through like our businesses, through um, our families, uh, through health, and it's like we could always lose that desperation for him because we. It, I know for myself, it's so easy to turn into my own power, but I always look at. I always look at it as like we have these silos. Like in our, and I look at these silos inside of us. It's like once we tap into those, they can become completely empty, and then we become in this place of burnout, and and just like so empty, and it's like. And then we don't have the strength to want to tap into him because even though we know he's going to fill those back up, you know, but then we don't have to tap in from us and we're going to continuously be poured out for him. But it's like to keep that desperate heart throughout the day, that is a constant thing. It's, it's constantly taking that drink through prayer. It's constantly learning, constantly learning who God is through that hunger, constantly wanting him. Knowing that you need him and can't live without him. Knowing that you have to proclaim his name because you, you know that you want to through, through the things that he's done. 
and to declare that all this stuff is true, to declare his name, to declare who you are in him, and declare who the Father truly is. You know, so I just pray, Lord, as I prayed before, like, God, I just pray that we have a desperate heart. Maybe it's sad with some people today. Maybe it didn't. But, God, you're going to touch the people that need it, that need it the most. God, let them want you more. Fill that thirst, Lord. Fill that hunger, Father. Fill that need that nobody else can fill. Give us the strength to proclaim you, God. And let us declare your righteousness and your goodness. There's beauty in your heart. God, and we ask that you pour, it, pour your heart out upon us. We need you to help us love you, God. Please, Lord, pour your love on us. Israel Howland said, Lord, if you, want me to, if you want me to worship, teach me how to worship. But I say, if you want us to love, God, teach us how to love. And continue to teach us to have a desperate heart as well. Because it is a learning. It's a learning thing. And it comes with practice and a day in and day out thing. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the house and the people here. God, I ask that you bless them and touch them. God, bless their hearts, Lord, their health, their family's health. God, and bless their week as they go through. Just be filled with joy, God. Filled with your mercies. And let them know that you are proud of them. Don't just speak it as a word, but speak into their hearts. Touch their hearts. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Yes. So I think that really does prove that. There's something to our intentional pursuit of the Father, of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added. And it was cool for me to stand or to sit there, you know, listening to Joe share this, um, you know, as as his wife and, you know, a lot of you guys might not know our full story from the last two years. Um, but we've been really tired just because of the constant traumas that have continued to happen. And then me as the spouse of someone who's more deeply affected by it because it was directly at him. And it was very difficult on my end. And, and, and we've talked so much about that more on in the last month or so in the shifting 
And you guys probably see that shifting just in him alone. Um, where the last two years of marriage, which were the first two years of marriage, um, was filled with, with just constant sorrow, constant frustration. And it wasn't even necessarily between us. It was in him and in me. These just two things kept happening and, and trying to balance this new marriage with sudden things out of our control it was this thing of like, God, I, I want to be so desperate out of, you know, I want to be desperate for you. This is the call of both our hearts in those separate places in all of that. God, I want to be so desperate for you, but I just don't have that capacity. But it's so cool to be on this side of things and see how God was, was there. Through those those silences, the through the I don't even know what to do with this God, um, you know, through those times of extreme anger on his part, where he didn't even fully know why he was angry, which made him more angry. Where I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit, and he did every time. But it's so cool because for both of us in our sozos yesterday, we each had separate sozos at the exact same time. And both of us, God said, I'm proud of you. For him, it was Father God. For me, it was Jesus. And it was that moment, the moment Jesus, when I just asked Jesus, what do you think of me right now? You know, when you're in a sozo, if you've been in enough of them, you're like, I already know what he's going to say. He's going to say, I love you. He's going to say, you know. And you almost, you unintentionally are already discounting what he's going to say. But when he said, I'm proud of you, it was this. <laughs> and then. And for me, all I could say was, it's crazy because all of you guys in the last two years would say, I'm so proud of you for what you're walking through and you're not giving up. I'm so proud of you because you're so strong. I'm so proud of you for just trying to continue leaning on the Lord. I, and Jesus said all of that with just two, with just what? what I'm proud of you. Four words yesterday. And God said the same thing to him with four words. And like he said earlier, his voice supersedes everything. It was such a treasure to hear every, all of you guys who have said that to us in those seasons and prayed with us and, and really, you know, exhorted us and encouraged us and lifted us up and held our arms up when we couldn't. But for Jesus to say it. He is the one that satisfies. He, he is the fullness. He, he, he is the filler. Like me, I love a good Boston cream donut. And and that cream inside that's just so sweet. Right? That's like our new thing now, ever since I said that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but, but, and like, and it sounds silly, but like, that's how I can relate it because he is so sweet. It is just satisfying when you just need that one thing, a good sugar 
Boston cream donut. That was Jesus to me yesterday. He just, he just satisfied this, this, this hunger, this craving for the sweetness of just saying, I'm proud of you. Because he didn't have to tell me all the other things. He didn't have to tell me why. Because with his voice comes with the knowing. That's why he, and, and, and him telling me his counsel is also thorough. It's because he can say something so simple, I already get the explanation in the four words. Because if I am in pursuit of him, if I am desperate for him, I already know. And he knows I know. And I know he knows I know. And so on. Insert friend scene. I'm just so grateful for you, Jesus. I'm so grateful for how you encounter each and every single one of us on the most personal level, more than our own relationships and even our relationships with ourselves. And so in this coming week, Lord, I ask that you continue to draw us closer to you, Lord. That we continue to dip deeper into the well of who you are and, and, and your glory, God, as we just continue to seek you, Give us those moments of just, hey, come hang out with me this week. And let our ears hear, let our eyes see you. Continue just to take us deeper and deeper and, and, and just that sweetness. To taste of your sweetness. Continue to satisfy us because only you satisfy you and you alone, like we sang earlier. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. You are the fountain that never runs dry. And for all the things we give you praise. Amen. If any of you need prayer, come on up. We want to love on you. Otherwise, bless you. Bless a blessa. <laughs>